Welcome to the Blood Cancer Experience, a podcast series presented by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. This series connects people affected by blood cancers to their community with stories of hope, healing, and help. Hello, my name is George Athens, and I'm your host for this podcast. Today, we are talking about a type of blood cancer called myelofibrosis with Doug Chisholm in Calgary. Doug is a former minister, corporate educator, and works on a board that gives support to those dealing with this type of cancer. Well, first of all, thanks a lot for joining us today, Doug. Um, Could you share a little bit about yourself, how and when you were diagnosed, um, since blood cancer usually strikes without warning? Yes, I found mine struck without warning as well. I was diagnosed fairly early in in my 40s through a regular CBC blood test. And my doctor cared enough to go into it a little bit deeper. I was first diagnosed with um, central thrombocythemia or what we call ET. I had that for about 10 years. And then in 2001, it evolved into myelofibrosis. Now, central thrombocythemia, myelofibrosis and polycythemia vera are the three main conditions of a family of blood cancers called MPNs or myeloprolific neoplasms. And they all act a little bit differently, but both PV and ET can evolve into myelofibrosis, which is what I've had for 20 years. So when you got the diagnosis, um, what did the doctor say? Well, when I first got ET, it wasn't a big deal. It just had to be managed over time. It's not life-threatening. When it evolved into myelofibrosis, that was back in 2001 when it was still considered a disease and not a cancer. Uh, It wasn't until the World Health Organization classified it as a cancer a little bit later than that. And the doctor comment to me, if you haven't got life insurance, you're not going to be able to get it now because I wouldn't give it to you. So it wasn't a very um, upbeat diagnosis. And I changed uh, hematologists at that point, as you can probably understand. Well, it seems like you changed the uh, trajectory of the life expectancy on it as well then. Yeah, I was told I had three to five years to live in 2001. And when I went to my new hematologist, he said, let's just aim for 20 years and go from there. And so we approached it that way. MPNs are different for every single person. We don't know a lot about them still, but one of the things we do know for sure is that everybody reacts with an MPN in a different way to the medications, to the symptoms, and to the prognosis. So I would say to anybody that's been diagnosed with something as scary as myelofibrosis, just don't assume it's a death sentence because it isn't. I've got 20 years under my belt and I plan to have another 20. Is there anything you wish you had known at the time that you were diagnosed about blood cancers? Well, as I said, there wasn't a lot known about this particular family of cancers back in 2001. There's an awful lot more information now. A lot more research has been done. There's a lot more medications in the pipeline coming out now to help manage it. I sure would have stayed off the internet because that information is scary and outdated. And I would have tried to connect with an organization like the Canadian MPN Network where I could get factual, up-to-date, relevant information. I think that's really important. How did you deal with this personal challenge? You seem to be quite an optimistic person. Well, I think you make a choice when you get up in the morning. 
how you're going to handle your day and your diagnosis. So I am an optimistic person. I sort of believe in educated ignorance. And by that, I mean that you educate yourself in every way and prepare and do everything you can. And then you live in ignorance of it every day and just enjoy the day to the fullness of what has got in front of you. And so I've enjoyed the last 20 years. Um, we don't fight in our family because it's not worth it. We uh, spent all our retirement savings on cruises because I was going to uh, uh, die early and I had life insurance. Uh, we had to save for retirement again after that, but it's been an adventure. And, uh, and I wouldn't trade my life for anybody else because I've made sure every day counted. How important were uh, family, friends, and medical professionals uh, during this journey? Well, having the right medical professional is, is really important. And I, and I illustrated that with my change in hematologist. And going to a doctor that's familiar with MPNs is often very helpful as well, too. I chose not to keep my diagnosis a secret. And so I talked to my kids about it. I talked to uh, my wife, of course, about it, my friends about it. And then it's out in the open and we can just deal with it and laugh about it and get on with it. But having a support group around you is, is really important. But we all make conscious choices as well, not knowing how much time was left, uh, not to get involved in things that didn't matter and to make sure that we that we express our love for each other and that we're a happy family and functional. And same with my friends. So it sounds like life has become quite a celebration and um, often a way to look at things in a way that uh, other people don't because they don't always cherish every day. Yeah, and it's funny the things that uh, become celebrations. I turned 65 in June, something I never thought was going to happen. And so I get kind of thrilled the older I get. Growing old with my wife is a, is a major celebration. And you're giving back by the sound of things. You're using all of the experience and life knowledge that you have and dealing with this type of cancer um, to help other people, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, in a couple of ways. In the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, I work as a First Connections volunteer and have a chance to talk to people that are new, newly diagnosed with one of the MPNs. And also through the Canadian MPN Network, I am involved in support groups across Canada. We've got nine or 10 of them uh, going now and more on, on the horizon. And I uh, chair the one in Southern Alberta, uh, working out of Calgary. And we have about 40 people in the group and uh, we have a great time together. Is there anything else you'd like to add to this interview and podcast, Doug? Well, you know, I think when I talk to people through the First Connections program, the first thing that they're concerned about is the diagnosis being such a um, dismal one. And I don't think we should assume it is. And I'm, I'm the living example of that. We don't know what tomorrow holds. I've had doctors that were treating me uh, pass away of heart attacks while they were trying to keep me alive. So we've just got to take it one day at a time and enjoy every day and not assume that the prognosis is a dismal one. There's advances all the time in medications and treatments coming along the line. And uh, you just got to keep going. Well, thank you so much. It's, uh, it's been great. I really appreciate you uh, being our guest today, Doug. Um, My pleasure. Take care and bye for now. Thank you. Bye-bye. If listeners have any questions about this podcast or need any support or resources to navigate your experience, 
I encourage you to connect with the Community Service Manager in your region. For more information, visit bloodcancers.ca. If you liked our podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can find us wherever you access your favorite podcasts. We also welcome any ideas for our program, so we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email with your suggestions or comments at info at bloodcancers.ca. Until next time, stay well and stay connected. Thank you for listening to the Blood Cancer Experience, a series of podcasts presented by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada. We are committed to supporting the blood cancer community through programs, services, and research.